Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 21 of the Lean Blog Podcast for March 25th, 2007. Joining us once again on the podcast today is our good friend Norman Bodek, noted lean consultant and author of numerous books, including Kaikaku, The Magic and Power of Lean. We're going to be talking today about lean and the Toyota production system and the idea of developing people, the notion that Toyota, for example, as they say, they build people before they build products and how you can incorporate those ideas into your lean organization and ensure that lean is truly good for your employees as well as being good for the company. For more information um, about Norman or our, our topics today, you can visit www dot lean podcast dot org. Thanks for listening. Our guest once again, uh, it's a great pleasure to have him back with us again on the podcast, Norman Bodek. Good to have you here. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. Um, I had one question that um, had come to me uh, that, that I thought would be very appropriate and a good question for you to talk about. This question um, comes from uh, an old friend of mine back in Michigan who I, you know, I went to middle school and high school with and have managed to keep in touch. And uh, she doesn't work in the auto industry. She's actually a PhD research scientist who, who works in a, a corporate research environment. And, you know, she stumbled across lean, I, I think, because she's in the um, Detroit area. And obviously you hear about it with the auto industry. And, you know, being a scientist, she started researching the topic and, and thought that, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of things about lean methods that could apply to a research environment. Hi, I'm a research scientist looking at how lean can be applied to an R&D environment. I'm wondering about how lean is perceived after being in place for a long time. Um, Like, do workers feel that lean is good for them, or is it mainly good for the company and the management? Thanks. Yes. Lean is successful in the long term with a company like Toyota and other, other companies that understand really what Toyota is doing so uniquely and and to follow it, to emulate Toyota. Um, unfortunately, many companies are implementing lean to make more money only, mm-hmm. um, to go out and eliminate the waste without understanding the real power of what Toyota is doing. There's a saying that they use at Toyota, which is that Toyota not only builds cars, but it builds people. Mm -hmm. And it's true. The focal point of um, the whole Toyota lean effort is not not to go in and implement a whole group of tools, um, but to get a great balance and primarily to focus on not only making great products, but also making great people. Mm-hmm. They invest enormously in that. When you think that today, m- many companies that I visit all across the country, I just came back from Mexico yesterday, um, the focus is on um, you know, maximizing the efficiency of the operation and not really investing in people. Mm-hmm. Toyota invests in people. Um, so from that standpoint, the average company, the average company, 
Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so, I mean, from that standpoint, I'm sure you can share some examples of what that means to, to invest in people. But from the standpoint of employees, that can only be a good thing to have the company investing in your growth and your um, continued professional life, right? Of course, you know, because Toyota looks at people as being members of the company, not not expendable uh, costs, you know, that we're going to get rid of. Um, I was going to say that that in America, many companies I go to have one supervisor for maybe 100 people. Right. Toyota has one team leader for every four to seven people. One team leader, and that team leader is not really a worker. They're there to train, support the, that that group of theirs. You know, if someone goes to the bathroom, someone's on vacation, of course the team leader will work. But the team leader is there to to train. Yeah. Especially what Toyota does that very few companies do outside of Toyota is to stop the line. In fact, Gary Converse, who's the uh, North American senior president right now, right. running Georgetown, although he was interviewed in Detroit Free Press a couple of months ago, and they asked him, you know, what do you expect from people? What do you expect from the workers at Toyota? Mm-hmm. And he says, I only expect two things. One is they come to work every day, and <laughs> yeah. two is that they pull the cord. Pulling the cord means that when they have a problem or anticipate a problem, they stop working. They stop the line so that they can then get to the root cause of that problem or that potential problem so it doesn't occur again. Right. Toyota does not want a defect to get to the customer. And so that team leader's role is to support that because that line, it stops hundreds of times uh, during during any shift on the assembly line. And when a line stops, a lot of people have stopped, stopped working. And so the team leader's job is to very quickly detect what that problem was or what that potential problem was and eliminate it. So to go back to what this lady said, you know, um, Toyota has two pillars. I like to do this when I talk to repeat this too. They have two pillars. One pillar of their strength is just in time, or what we might call lean. Mm-hmm. And that focuses on eliminating all of the non-valuating ways. And there were seven classic ways that came from Oh No. Uh, I added, I believe I added one, which was the eighth one, which is the underutilization of people's right. talents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what Toyota does to support that is in the second pillar. It used to be called Jidoka. And Jidoka is this, this concept of stopping the line. Um, but now they changed it, and we call it respect for people. Right. So there are two pillars that are the success of Toyota. Toyota, in, Toyota invests and develops people. Since 1950, I'm told that Toyota has not laid off anyone. Right. That's 50, 50, almost 57 years, no layoffs. Um, look at the layoffs in most American companies, especially the automotive industry. There's right. no, there's no uh, alignment, you know. The, the company yeah. feels you well, come to work. You come to work to make money for the corporation, to make money for the stockholders. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the reasons we go to work. Of course, the company should be successful, but it has to be successful for everybody. Right. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. It, it, and, and as I'm learning more about the healthcare world, 
Um, it seems a lot of the time the major cost-cutting methodology for hospitals is to do layoffs and to get rid of people and to, you know, to stretch the people who are left thinner or that means they can, you know, provide less medical care to their community. Either, either way, you know, it's not a good situation. Um, you know, and at least from a positive standpoint, a, a good reason why some of the people in healthcare are starting to learn about lean themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like Deming said, one in his 14 points, one of the most important things is to root out fear. Yeah. And people are very fearful. You know, you lay one, you, you get rid of one person and everybody else becomes very insecure. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. The first thing you want to do in every organization today is get rid of that waste. And you want to align all of your people working together to get rid of that waste. But you don't want people to get rid of waste with the thought, if they become lean, the first people that are going to go is them. <laughs> right. You have to make a commitment when, if you want a lean organization that the result of your savings is not going to be in getting rid of people. The result of your savings is going to build a better, stronger company. Right. You know, so many companies in America now are going to China to save money. And you can save money in China. But they haven't begun the opportunity within their own company to eliminate that waste. We say that, you know, when you begin to study this, if you do these value stream mappings, you begin to detect that 95% of what you do is a waste. 95% of what you do, people are waiting, do you know? They're moving things. There's inspection, there's rework, there's scrap, there's overproduction, etc. There's waste. We should attack those wastes before we try to go to, you know, China or things like that. Right. And what Toyota does also that I like very much, and many of the Japanese companies do this, you know, when they, when they save, when they reduce the waste, and they have excess people, what they do is they take the best people, the top people, and they ask them to come up with new products. Mm-hmm. And look at the way Toyota has grown. If we go back to 1950, they almost went bankrupt. Do you know, they, they yeah. were a very small company back in 1950. And look at the way they are today. I mean, they make a full line of cars, complete line of cars, from the top Lexus, you know, all the way down to a little car for $10,000 yeah. and maybe less. That's all come from stretching people. That means we take the top people, and Toyota would take a group of the top people, say, go out and make a Prius, you know, go out and get us a new car. Yeah, and you compare that to the cycle that the uh, the Detroit three, you know, the, I guess formerly, called the big three, Detroit, um, you know, GM, Ford, Chrysler, um, the, the cycle they've been in where, you know, even if they wanted to, you know, not lay off people, um, you know, maybe as a result of lean, they, they, they're not growing. They're, they're shrinking. They're, you know, kind of in a, yes. a negative cycle. And, you know, so my friend who asked the question about, you know, is lean good for people? I guess part of the response would be to turn it around and say, well, you know, when has the mass production system ever been good for people? Yeah, well, you know, it is because you know, Toyota is mass production too, and and um, people did have very boring jobs, very repetitive jobs in mass production. But what I like is the following: I don't think it really matters what people do, because things have to be done. You know, we have to clean toilets, mm-hmm. we have to do things that maybe are not that fun. But if we have the right attitude, it doesn't matter what we do. And I think what gives people the right attitude, um, thank you, what gives people the right attitude is when they're given the opportunity 
to grow on the job. That's why I love quick and easy Kaizen. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the heart of this respect for people. I mean, how do you give people the best respect is by giving them the opportunity to grow, give them the opportunity to become problem solvers. Yeah. And that's what Toyota does. So here I have a boring job. Just say I have a boring job and I have to knock out 5,000 widgets. Well, what, what Toyota does, which I like very much, is every two hours you rotate. Yeah. You not only rotate, but you have the challenge to make the job better. Yeah. I, and I, I published a book once, oh, maybe 20 years ago, called uh, 40, 20 Million Ideas, 40 Years of Toyota. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Subaru a year ago got 108 ideas, implemented ideas per worker. That makes work exciting for people. And the result is enormous. I've been working recently with Gulfstream Corporation in one of their plants, and and, uh, they went from 16 implemented ideas, 1,000 people gave 16 ideas in February 2005, and last year, those same thousand people came up with twenty thousand six hundred and sixty-three ideas, and they saved million dollars from those people's ideas. It's such a wonder. It's such a different, important focus is when we focus on building people. Because what is a company? What really is a company? <laughs> right. A company is people, yep. right? And and Ford and General Motors, they're laying off their most important assets. It's funny talking about that this week too with David Veach. David runs a consulting company in, in Kentucky. I think it's called the Lean Away. Um, and what we do because of American accounting also is we buy a machine and we put the machine on the asset side of the balance sheet. It's wonderful when we buy a machine. And our people, you look at a balance sheet. Where do you see people on a balance sheet? You don't. Yeah. Well, it just costs. Cost of goods sold. Yeah. It just costs, yeah. And it's a Labor shame because costs, if we yeah. put them on the balance sheet, if we really put people on the balance sheet, and we could do that, then when you invest in a person for the long term, you put it on the balance sheet and you write it off. So say you send somebody to college and gave them a college education, and it costs you $200,000 to get them a college education, and you work the contract with the person, but you're going to stay here for at least 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And you write off that investment of 200000 over the 10 years. You can then put that on your balance sheet. But even if people aren't you know, strictly formally on the balance sheet, I'd think if you have some of the conditions, like you said, maybe rule one, you know, eliminate fear, have an environment where your suggestions aren't going to cost you your job, um, that then if people are engaged and excited about making change, that should help you, you know, reduce other costs and increase revenue, you know, things that, that are very directly you know, in, in other ways, hitting the bottom line or the top line of the company, right? Of course, Mark. You know, I, I started a company in 1979 called Productivity. It was a miracle. It was a real gift. It was a birthday gift, in fact. It was 1979. I, I left the position of being president of a data processing company, didn't know what to do. And one day I'm reading the New York Times. It was actually August 13th. My birthday is the 12th. But it was an article that were, the news release came out on the 12th, and they published it on the 13th, and it was writing that productivity declined in America for the first time in like 33 quarters. Mm. I didn't know what it meant. And I went to the library to study productivity, became fascinated with it, and, and formed a company. And productivity is a wonderful word. It really means that we're producing more. And if we produce more, we have more to share. 
And pr- productivity also means being the most efficient and the most effective as we can mm-hmm. uh, in our company. We want to be the most efficient and the most effective in what we can, right? And that's the purpose of Lean, is to make our organizations extremely efficient and extremely effective. Mm-hmm. And we want people to be efficient and effective. And if we give people boring, dead-end jobs, how are they going to be efficient and effective? So we focus on developing people. And the way we do it, which is the wonderful way I learned in Japan, is instead of management trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do to make people more efficient and effective, you know? They want to do it, but they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way is you just turn people on. You say to people, I want you to come up with ideas to make your work easier, Right. I want you to. I want you to come up with ideas, you know, to make your work more interesting. I want you to come up with ideas to build your skills and capabilities. I put the burden on the people. I empower them. This is the real power of top-down man. I mean, bottoms-up management. In the U.S., we have top-down. All decisions are made at the top. Instead of creating a bottom-up environment, and I'll give you an example. You know. I teach quick and easy Kaizen, and it's wonderful. I work with companies, as I mentioned, Gulfstream, that went from 16 ideas to close to 21,000 by just challenging people, Mm -hmm. just challenging people to come up with ideas to build their skills and capabilities. So I go to another company, you know, and I want to, I say, look, this is wonderful for you. I guarantee it. You can't even lose. And I give them a price of what I charge to consult with them mm-hmm. to get them started. And right away, that manager says, well, I have to check with my boss. Mm-hmm. And then he has to check with his boss. Or they want to know, what's the ROI? What's the return on investment of bringing in Norman Bodak, right? Well, we know that's <laughs> going to be 100 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is a proven fact. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the decision is always going to the top. Now, the bottoms-up management is as follows. If I make a presentation... And this man, this woman, could make an ROI, return on investment, that shows if I invest $10,000, i am going to make at least 100000 or more for this company, right? Then the company trusts me, and I make that decision, and I go ahead. Because if I make a mistake, you know, I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to have to pay the piper if I make a mistake. Yeah. But at least I'm empowered to do based upon the knowledge I have, and I don't have to ask permission from the top. I like this statement, you know, this, this saying that it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Right. Because if you ask permission, I guarantee that 90, 90% of the time that you ask your boss to do something new, they're going to say no. Yeah. Right? Because it's easy to say no. It's less risky because in a way, right? It's less risky. Yeah. What I did yesterday was safe. Why do something different that's not safe? Might might not work out. Right. Right? But then how are you going to grow and how are you going to compete and how are you going to be successful? Toyota is not doing anything magical that other American companies can't do. I just read a wonderful book, by the way, Mark. It's called Getting the Right Things Done. Mm-hmm. It's written by Pascal Dennis, and it is published by uh, Lean.org, the Lean Enterprise Institute. It yeah. is beautiful. I have the book. It's I have quite a stack of unread books, and that one's in there. But you know, with your yeah, you make sure you pull it down and you read it I'll, right away. I mean, I read the top, book. Yeah. Yeah, I underlined it, and uh, I hate to say this, but it might even be better than my book. <laughs> but don't tell anybody that. Well, you only <laughs> well. Do you want me to edit that out of the podcast? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's in there. But I right? hope people that, do read my books. Sure, you know. Sure. Um, 
So, so, so I, I love mean, that what, book. What, what, what did you get out of the book? I mean, a lot of it is about the Hoshin Conry process. Is that yes, right? it's the Hoshin Conry process. It's really the pro- when I met Gary Conry. I've known Gary for many years. In fact, I interviewed him for one of my books. Um, I think it was my Kaikaku book, Power and the Magic of Lean. And um, uh, Gary, when he spoke, I brought a group uh, to to Kentucky to visit the plant and to meet with him. He met with us for about an hour, Mm -hmm. which was very nice of him. And while he was talking, he pulls out one sheet. And the sheet is called an A3. A3 is a Mm -hmm. piece of paper that's larger than 8.5 by 11. I think it's 11 by 17, roughly, right? Something yeah. like that, yeah. And every manager at Toyota has an A3. And on that A3, that's their Hoshin. That's their plan for the year. They know exactly what they're to accomplish and how to accomplish it and when to accomplish it and what their measures are. And so it's a really, it's a wonderful concept. It's like you're going to the moon, you know. You've got to really plan carefully to the moon. You've got to know where you're going. <laughs> you've got to make the right adjustments as you travel, right, in order to get there properly. That's the same thing in an organization. You develop your strategy, and then you you know where you're going. You know the problems that are standing in the way that you have to you have to overcome, and you know how to measure against that to see that you're succeeding in overcoming those problems. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful book I recommend for everybody. I'm I read it. I underlined it. Funny when I was younger, I would never mark in a book. <laughs> <laughs> to me, a book was sacred. Yeah. Because you would read it, and maybe somebody else would read it. You didn't want it to feel what they're reading. But now, every time I read a book, I underline it. Yeah. And then I go back, and I take out the parts that I underline, and I put them on a chart to see if I can incorporate it into my teaching. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.